Oh, good morning, everyone. I am delighted to be here this morning. When I was nine years old, I was going through the basement of our house, and I found my dad's old tent. And I begged him, Dad, Dad, can we please get this tent, and can we put it up, and can we as a family go camping? And Dad said, yeah, we got to go camping. We, we got in the backyard and put the tent together and got our sleeping bags out, and we ate outside. And I learned something very important that night. I learned that I don't like camping. <laughs> it's true. I don't like camping. Uh, I didn't know this uh, about myself. I, I love being outside. I love adventure. I love to, togetherness, you know, but I say right now, I don't like camping. And you were saying, no, no, the, I love camping. You should do it the way I do it. And I want to tell you, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't, maybe glamping is my thing, like glamour camping, you know, like the thing that looks like the magazines. That all sounds great, but then when it's going to sleep, you're going to sleep outside. Turns out I'm a bit of an indoor dog. I didn't know that. I like books. I like the comforts of a mattress. And that night, being nine years old, my brother was five, we were laying out there, and I remember thinking, it doesn't have to be this way. I could go inside, and I did. I got out of my tent. I went inside. It wasn't too late. Dad was still watching uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, so it was still prime time. But I go upstairs to my bed, and I sleep great. The Feast of Booths has a good bit about camping, about sleeping outside. It's the final feast that we're studying in our series, Let's Feast. Open up your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 33. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and for seven days is the feast of booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each on its proper day, besides the Lord's Sabbaths, and besides your gift, and besides all your vow offerings, and besides all your freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate as a feast of the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Let's pray together. Speak to us, Lord. May we feast on your word. May your Holy Spirit come and shape us with hearts of thanksgiving as we uh, celebrate you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening in the name of Jesus. Amen. With the small exception of sleeping outside, I think the Feast of Booths might be my favorite feast. 
The Feast of Booths is Thanksgiving, a little bit of Christmas, a little Fourth of July, and a Saturday at the Grove, all wrapped together in one eight-day festival. It's fantastic. Those of you who laughed at the Grove, I now know something about you a little bit. Uh, this was a party. This was a huge celebration ending the year. It is a celebration of God's faithfulness, of his provision. It's in the celebration of, in the spirit of thanksgiving. There's four main points uh, for today's message. And the first is this, the Lord provides for his people and we thank him. All of God's people were invited to come to the place where he chose for his name to dwell in Jerusalem. So that means not just those who live in Jerusalem, but all of God's people are invited into Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And they were, to, uh, they were to celebrate with a sacred assembly. Our text says a solemn assembly, but solemn has a connotation for us that kind of means dour or down. But this was a sacred assembly, a holy convocation where they were brought together to give thanks to God for providing for them. If Passover is the beginning of the year, the, fe the Feast of Booths is the end of the year, and they're looking back and reflecting on the harvest, that they have had food once again for a whole year because God has provided, and they come with hearts of thankfulness, with hearts of thanksgiving, and they celebrate. And they celebrate the way I like to celebrate, by eating. I mean, this is a feast, a proper feast. No one counts their calories on the Feast of Booths because God provides over and above. Numbers chapter 29 talks specifically about the types of offerings that are to be given at the Feast of Booths. You don't have to turn there necessarily, but I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. On the 15th day of the seventh month, they are to offer a burnt offering and a food offering. They are to go and have sacrificed 13 bulls two rams and 14 male lambs without blemish. And then they're to give a grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil. <clears throat> Three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for each ram, one-tenth for each goat. And then they're to give uh, an offering, a sin offering of a male goat each day throughout the week in addition to the regular burnt offering, grain offering, and drink offering. And that's just day one. This is a feast. On day two, in addition to the burnt offering, grain offering, drink offering, and uh, there's to give 12 bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs. On day three, 11 bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs. On day four, 10 bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs. On day five, nine bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs. On day six, eight bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs. On day seven, seven bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs. On day eight, one bull, one ram, and 14 male lambs. If ever you wonder where Arby's got its slogan, it's from the Feast of Booths. <laughs> we have the meats right here. This is a feast. This is a Brazilian steakhouse with no red coaster. This is a feast. This is 71 bulls, 15 rams, and 122 lambs sacrificed over eight days. In addition to 22 bushels of fine flour, 204 gallons, and 65 gallons of olive oil. I did some guessing on how big these animals would be, but after that intelligent guessing, I think at the end of it, we have over 61,000 steaks if you get your steak about eight ounces. 8,298 lamb chops, 2,250 ram kebabs. This is a feast. And this is a feast. You know how at Thanksgiving when you go and you eat that meal at lunch and you think, I'm so full, I'll never eat again. And yet somehow at dinner time you're hungry again and you eat the food again and somehow it tastes better. 
And then the next day at lunch, you decide to get creative and just put bread around it and you can eat it again. And this is that, but for eight days, this is a feast. And the feasting reminds us specifically that God has provided for us. God has given us all these great gifts. And this is a distinguishing mark of being a Christian is that when we have all this food, all of God's provision, we know exactly who gave it to us. God the Father provides for us once again and we celebrate by feasting. The Feast of Booths is the one feast where we are specifically commanded to rejoice, to celebrate. And so they did. They would gather together and they would eat one to another. Point number two, the Lord unites his people and we worship him together. The Lord unites his people and we worship him together. There's something amazing about the feasting table where people would gather around and eat together because it would, God unites all of his people and they get to worship together. They would come and bring their sacrifices of food and then get to see their brothers and sisters enjoy it. It'd be a blessing on them. It's pretty amazing that when we are in communion with God, we are also in communion with one another. They would come and bring their food and then they would all celebrate together as a people worshiping together. The same thing happens for us today. When you come to this body of believers, if you write your tithe checks, we don't take that money and hold it in the back and say, look at all this money that God has. No, we we use it to be a blessing one to another, to be a blessing in our community, to be a blessing around the world. That's the beauty of worship and worshiping together when you give us your time and your talents, when you come and serve in the children's ministry or in the preschool ministry, you're a blessing to our church. I mention those two specifically because we still have needs before next Sunday and the Holy Spirit may work in your heart over the next couple minutes. We get to enjoy one another's gifts as a blessing to God. This is the beauty of worshiping together. So they would come and they would feast in their hometown. Perhaps uh, the most exciting, uh, one of the coolest celebrations of the Feast of Booths was in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, in the time of Nehemiah, God's people were exiled. They were not living in the promised land. They were not living in Jerusalem. They were in foreign cities. Nehemiah was in Babylon. And he became cupbearer to the king. And when someone came and gave him a report about Jerusalem, his heart was broken about the disrepair of his hometown. And he prayed to God and he went to the king and said, can I go back and restore Jerusalem? And the king granted him favor, gave him permission to go back. And so he and all the Israelites returned to the promised land. They returned to Jerusalem and they they built it up again. And it says in Nehemiah chapter eight, starting in verse 17, and all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths For from the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Can you imagine not being able to celebrate Christmas for a hundred years and you finally get to come home and celebrate? This is what happened with Nehemiah. They finally got to come back to their hometown and they celebrate the Feast of Booths. They had not celebrated it for a hundred years and they would come and they feasted together because God had provided for them. And they worshiped together and there was very great rejoicing. 
And they did what God had commanded. They actually had, uh, uh, during the feast, they had the book of the law read amongst the people. Deuteronomy 31 commands that in the celebration of the Feast of Booths, every seven years, they are to read the book of the law together. We heard the number seven a lot in this feast, which kind of makes sense because it's the number of completion, of totality. And so as the last feast of the year, it's kind of closing the year. And that's why we see the number seven. And then the rhythm of that, every seven years, they're going to read the book of the law together, which is kind of beautiful. As God's people are feasting physically on all that God had provided for them, they're also feasting spiritually. Their souls are being nourished by the reading of God's word. It's beautiful and wonderful. When I was in college, um, it was spring break time and I didn't have any plans. And my friends George and Joey invited me to go camping. I, uh, I, it's a period of, of self-discovery again. You try to figure it out. You're learning yourself. So maybe I like camping now. And so I didn't have any plans. And so I said, sure. And so they picked me up in Nashville and we drove across the state of Tennessee to the Blue Mountains of North Carolina. And we're going to go camping. Now we got to the trailhead a little late, which meant that the hike in, uh, it started to get dark. And by the time we had to set up camp, it was pitch black. Now that was a problem. Uh, a problem, I have all this borrowed gear. Uh, I have a borrowed backpack. I have a borrowed sleeping bag because I am not a camper. But we go, and in the middle of the pitch black with, uh, with lights, we put the tents together. We put the sleeping bag together. George is going to cook us food. He grabs a lighter and a leaf. And my, the quote of the trip was him holding up a lighter to a leaf and saying, you're a leaf, light. It did not. Uh, eventually, he got a fire started, and he cooked us something that was supposed to taste good. And we decide... Uh, we're going to go to sleep, all right? Uh, I didn't know that night it would get down to 19 degrees. Uh, I would have worn something beyond my running socks. Um, and we're sleeping outside in a tent between these two guys. And I am miserable, miserable. And I think to myself, it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> it's spring break. I should be at the beach. I should be anywhere else. And I stay up all night. I don't sleep. Uh, at one point, I got in my head a little bit. I think I see something, so I say to the room, I think I heard something. I think I saw something. And Joey very angrily rolls over and says, it's the moon, go to sleep. Uh, Joey's very cranky in the night. This is Joey Prophet, the son of Benny Prophet, the longtime student minister here at Shades. Uh, a great family, really grouchy when you wake them up. Who knew? The next day, we were supposed to, to hike eight miles camp again, hike six miles, and then, uh, then leave. The next day, we hiked 14 miles because I was not going to sleep outside again. <laughs> I wasn't being a diva. They agreed with me because about a couple hundred yards from where we slept was the snow line. It was cold. That day, George took a bunch of pictures of me and put them up on Facebook under the title, Not Made for the Woods. This is true. George is a missionary in Thailand now, but he used to be very mean. And uh, many, of you, many of you are going to try to friend me on Facebook to see these photos, and I'm going to know that you are also very mean. <laughs> I don't like sleeping outside. Which gets to the point of the, the booths. God's people are commanded and asked to sleep outside for seven nights. A point number three, the Lord delivers his people 
and we remember his faithfulness. God asked them to sleep outside to remember when they were provided for in the wilderness. They had to go and find branches of three different types. They had to go and find a palm branches. They had to go and find uh, leafy boughs, which is probably the myrtle tree. And they had to go and find willows from the brook, which would be like a poplar tree. Kind of a similar experience to us going and find a Christmas tree to celebrate. They had to go and find these three branches. They had to build a booth, build a tent, build a tabernacle, either on their roof or in their courtyard or next to their house. Like one branch here and another group of branches here and one on top. And they had to sleep outside. And remember, this is all God's people coming into Jerusalem. Can you imagine what it would have been like to walk through Jerusalem and see everybody sleeping outside for a whole week. On your drive home, all the houses that you pass, think about what if they had a tent in their front yard? You stop thinking about houses and you start thinking of all of the people that are dwelling, all of God's people, and you look at them and you see them and you start thinking, these are God's people, these are my people. These are the people that God delivered. God delivers his people. He's a faithful God, and he delivered them into this land in Jerusalem, into the promised land. They are to remember when after Passover, after the, uh, the angel comes and it's the death of firstborn and the Pharaoh sends them out, they leave. God's people plundered the Egyptians and they begin to leave. They haven't even crossed the Red Sea yet. They leave from the, uh, the city they were in, and the first city they come to on their departure is a town called Succoth. It means booth. It means tent. It's a foreshadowing of what the next 40 years are going to be like. For 40 years, God's people slept in tents and God delivered them. He delivered them out of slavery and delivered them into the promised land. And by sleeping outside, by sleeping in these tents, all of God's people were invited together to remember how God had provided for them, how he had cared for them. When you sleep outside in the desert for 40 years, I'm sure when you get to Israel, it looks like a land flowing with milk and honey, with streaming rivers and green grass and trees that grow. It's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's remembering of how, how God has been faithful in delivering his people. So when Suzanne and I were dating, uh, this was when I was in grad school, we were dating and, and you begin to feel that connection and I liked her and I think she liked me and you, you, you go on dates and you share things about one another and you get to that really important conversation. Of, what do you feel about camping? <laughs> Guys, what if she likes camping? What if she loves sleeping outside? And uh, I can't do that. We have to break up right then and there. I'm not about that life. I can't, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna sleep outside. I'm not a camper. It's nervous and fearful. You can imagine my delight when she tells me this story. She was a sophomore in college and her five best friends are going out to Oak Mountain to go camping. She doesn't care to go, but they invite her, they talk to her, and she doesn't have any gear. And they say, just come along, we have what you need. So she shows up, J. Crew camping. That's my style of camping, right? She shows up and uh, they eat something and then they go to sleep, six girls in a tent and she's like on a borrowed blanket and a borrowed pillow and sharing all this and she can't sleep at all. And she says loudly to the room, is anybody awake? And Sarah Jean says, I'm awake. And Suzanne says, you wanna get out of here? It's a girl of my dreams. <laughs> you wanna leave? And Sarah Jean says, yeah. And so in the middle of the night, they get out of their tent and they go back to their car and they drive to campus and they sleep like babies. She said, I didn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be this way. 
you and I, we may sleep in beds. We may sleep in houses, but some of us, our souls are still sleeping in tents. And it doesn't have to be this way. Some of us are still wandering in the wilderness. Our souls are sleeping in tents and we are tired. I'm not talking about physically. Yes, physically we may sleep inside, but our souls are weary and tired. We would be fools to think that all there is in this world is to have a house and get to sleep indoors. There is more for us. We are meant for more than tents. You're sleeping, you're sleeping in tents. Your souls are sleeping in tents and you're tired and you're weary. You're wondering, is there more to life than this? You're tired from the pressures of work or the pressures of school. You're tired from caring for your children or caring for your parents. You're tired because you want more and you're still thirsty and you don't have it and you're not content and you're tired and you're weary and you're wandering in the wilderness. Friends, we have good news that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, wouldn't I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that you may be where I am. For somebody who doesn't like sleeping outside, heaven as a mansion is glorious. Amen? My man Thomas says, I want to go to there. That sounds amazing. Uh, Jesus, we don't, know, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. We are meant for more than tents. We are meant for glory. And it is made possible to all of us through Jesus Christ, the way and the truth and the life. Jesus, who dwelt with the Father, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself in the form of a servant. Jesus left the mansion and came, and John 1 says he tabernacled among us. He dwelt with us. Point four, the Lord dwelt with his people, and one day we will dwell with him again. John 1 says he came and he tented, he boothed, he tabernacled among us. Jesus left the mansion for the tent so that you and I can leave the tent for the mansion. This is good news. This is good news for us that our souls no longer have to be weary and resting, but we can rest in Jesus. And not just for eternity's sake, we are, are constantly looking and searching and we can rest. Our soul is assured salvation through Jesus Christ, but also for the day-to-day -day living of life. We may try to work and work for our own salvation, but all we're doing is making additions to our tent. Jesus, in John chapter 7, he celebrates the Feast of Booths. He celebrates, it says that he told his brothers he wasn't gonna go, but he sneaks up into the city, which makes sense. It's easy to sneak when everybody's sleeping outside. He finds himself in the temple and he begins teaching about his authority as the one sent from God. And the Pharisees are furious. They're angry, they're so angry that they want to kill him, but it says his time had not yet come. But on the eighth day, on that final day of the feast, Jesus stands and cries aloud to all who would listen. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
On the last day of the feast, after they've eaten all of this meat, yeah, of course they're thirsty, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all who want satisfaction, all who are thirsty, who are hungry, who are weary, come to Jesus and drink. At the feast that celebrates God's provision for his people in the wilderness. Remember, they were in the wilderness and they came to Moses and said, Moses, we are thirsty. And God told Moses to take his staff and strike the rock. And water came forth and satisfied the people. Jesus says, you come to me. The rock of our salvation said, you come to me and drink and you will be satisfied. God provided the manna from heaven and Jesus, the bread of life, said, you come to me. This is for us, not just for our salvation for the end of the day on that great day, but this is for us each and every day. Come to Jesus and be satisfied. You who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are tired, come to Jesus and be satisfied. This is the Feast of Booths to remember that God has given us so much and that we can continually come to him and be satisfied, be assured of our salvation and have a life and have it abundantly. If the Sabbath is that weekly reminder to depend on God and the feast of, uh, of of uh, the first fruits is the reminder that God has made promises. The feast of weeks is the reminder that God has delivered on those same promises. The day of atonement reminds us that our sins have been paid for. And the feast of booths remind us that we have much to be thankful for, but we will not be in need forever. No, no, one day we will be with him in the mansion that he has prepared for us at the great wedding feast, feasting together the bride and the groom. And it's going to be glorious. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you have called us to come and feast with you. You have called us to come and remember how you've provided for us and we worship together and we remember your faithfulness, Father. I pray for those here who have not yet made that decision to come and put their faith in you. I pray, God, your Holy Spirit would stir their hearts and they would come to you and be satisfied. I pray, Father, for the rest of us that have put our faith in you, that you would you would feed us, that we would feast in you, and that you would let us drink deeply from the well of salvation, and that we would go out and tell others. Go tell others they no longer have to be hungry or thirsty, but that they can come to you. Thank you, Father, for this feast and how we can delight in you in each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.